Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. I'm your host, Charlie Wright. Very pleased you've joined us today. Today we have the distinct opportunity of interviewing Steve Blumenthal, CEO and founder of Capital Management Group CMG. Steve founded CMG in 1992 and he manages equity and tactical investment portfolios. He's a frequent speaker and writer on investment strategies. He contributes and writes in Forbes magazine, has been featured in Wall Street, in the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, Investors Business Daily, and many other media outlets. He's been a guest on CNBC, Wall Street Journal Live, and Bloomberg. He's a frequent speaker at industry conferences. He's got 30 years of investment management and industry experience. And prior to founding CMG, he worked for Merrill Lynch Institutional Retail and Prudential Securities. Steve speaks to us t- today from the CMG headquarters in Philadelphia area. Steve, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Charlie, hi. Thanks for having me. So, Steve, got a question for you here. Is there any truth to the rumor that on the tombstone of W.C. Fields, it says, I'd rather be here than in Philadelphia? (laughs) Well, that's a very challenging question Uh, to answer. I can say Philadelphia is outstanding a solid eight months a year, and we are just finishing with this close of QE today, the good end of the month calendar, so going to get cold and it's going to get wet and damp for a while. Well, that's that, that's great. Appreciate you making fun of you. Uh, appreciate you allowing us to make you fun of make make fun of you a little bit here. So let's start, Steve, by giving us giving us a little background. We've got some background on you. Tell us about CMG, how you started it, what it does, etc. Well, I've always been uh, interested in um, price momentum and in risk-managed strategies that seek growth and, and risk-protect. So my early days at Merrill Lynch, uh, my first uh, six months was on something called an option arbitrage step. And if you don't know what that is, it really took me a long time to know what it, what it, what it was that I was doing. But essentially, it's using strategies to generate return, in that case, particular type of strategy, to, to generate return uh, without taking uh, a lot of risk. For some reason, it's something that, that, that has really turned me on, and, and I've always been interested in my career. It could be a lot, you know, having to do with investor behavior and uh, tendencies to sabotage and make decisions at the wrong time. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure where, but for whatever reason, you know, I've always been uh, in, the, uh, in this alternative risk management space. And so how does CMG apply that alternative risk management space to, in, to investors' assets? We, we run a handful of strategies, and uh, our specialty is on two fronts. One is trend following. Our oldest strategy utilizes a, a simple trend following process that moves into 
uh, high-yield uh, bond exposure when prices are going up in high-yield, and it moves to Treasury bills when prices are moving down in high-yield. So the, the idea is to minimize uh, downside, and, and we hope for downside because we hope to rebuy back in at uh, much lower prices and much higher yields and, and then uh, participate when, when the period's good again. So that's, that's one aspect we've been doing for some time. The other is uh, an area that, that um, is based on what we would call price momentum. So it's really looking at leadership. Today we're seeing technology, healthcare, utilities. Those things are, are leadership, and you want to be, I believe, positioned in uh, the assets that are moving up in price, and you want to be away from assets that are moving down in price. So, Stephen, looking for the leadership, do you buy uh, individual stocks? Do you just work with sectors, with asset classes? What, what do these strategies focus on? Uh, our strategies focus on uh, looking at uh, exchange-traded funds, so ETFs. And uh, some look specific, one strategy, for example, specifically looks at seven core fixed-income holdings. So it could be short-term treasuries through an ETF like BIL, uh, it could be uh, liquid corporates. Um, it could be high yield. Uh, it could be long-term treasury exposure. Uh, it could be an inflation um, asset like TIP. So we look at, at, at a series of these seven core fixed income ETFs, and we look to invest in the top two or three that are showing the best Price leadership. And, and how do you measure best price leadership? Do you look back five days, 50 days, five months? How do you do that? That's a great question. So uh, in the case of this particular strategy, we actually run several different look-back analysis. So 25-day, uh, 50-day, 100-day, 150-day. And what happens is, is that sometimes short-term uh, price momentum is doing better in reflecting where leadership is moving than long-term price momentum is, and sometimes longer term, like 150 days, or even uh, a full year might be better than shorter term. So we have a selection criteria that says which uh, relative strength regime, that look-back period, is doing better, and then that's the one that we overweight when we make our selection. And would you apply these metrics and, and make changes in the portfolio daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, how often? In this particular strategy, we make changes and rebalance on a weekly basis. But we also run another relative strength strategy that looks at roughly 30 days price relative strength, and it trades once a month. And then we run... Uh, perhaps our most popular strategy we call our opportunistic all strategy that takes a look at oh, a pool of, of, of uh, 80 plus different exchange traded funds and we allocate to 11 and that position trades somewhere between every 30 to, to 90 days so not every of, of the top 11 positions uh, that we've selected uh, it's kind of staggered I guess is the best way to say it so over the course of three to four months we might turn the portfolio over so it trades less frequently than, of course, the weekly relative strength strategy. And so if we were to define the difference between regular mutual fund investing and your strategies, we would say, one, these are not buy and hold, but they're tactical, looking to get into markets who are moving up, who are being leaders in moving up, and being out of markets in the declining phase. Correct? Correct. 
Okay, and so regular mutual funds, they would hold through all cycles, but these don't do that. Also, we're just investing in, in various asset classes and sectors through exchange-traded funds. We're not investing in individual stocks or bonds or that kind of thing. Correct. So when, mo- when a lot of investors build a portfolio, the traditional allocation is, let's say, 60% to uh, stocks, equities, and 40% to fixed income. And most investors utilize mutual funds to get that exposure. Uh, now you've got lower fee, uh, Vanguard and BlackRock and State Street and Invesco PowerShirts. You've got these low fee ETFs that are out there that give investors a lot of options. Well, we look at large cap value funds and we look at small cap growth and we look at uh, uh, different sectors like healthcare, uh, financials, consumer staples. So we look at all these different things, and and an investor might do that as well, you know, in a mutual fund. But the difference is somebody buying a mutual fund, say a large-cap value fund, is that that manager's mandate is to be invested in large-cap value stocks and be largely invested whether the market goes up or the market goes down. And what you're hoping for is that they're really good stock pickers in the large-cap space. Right. Same story for a small-cap manager. We're less concerned about the specific picking of the stocks. Most active mutual funds like that don't beat the relative indices. And if we can get the indices or the sectors at very low fees, we're just interested when those particular sectors are showing a lot of strength and being positioned and getting exposure that way. So we're less bound or constrained than uh, one particular fund might be. We have the flexibility to move to a lot of different areas. Okay, and so I, I guess we would say that uh, for today's investor who is perplexed because of an aging bull run, valuations that are high and bond yields that are low, you would say select, selecting the sector that has the greatest momentum at any particular time is the way to invest rather than looking for particular stocks or bond issues. Well, I think it's really, I personally think that it, that's a very important way to invest. I'm not opposed to an investor holding uh, good equities uh, or holding a good mutual fund. But in an age bull market, I think you need to think a lot differently. And, and where a lot of investors, my view, fail in, in their portfolio construction is they don't look forward. They look backwards. How did it do in the last year? Good. I'm going to keep it or I'm going to move my money to that best performer. Well, those aren't usually the funds that perform best in the forward period. So when there, fortunately, what we can do is we can look at the landscape through the lens of valuation and say, is the market expensively priced? Am I buying my car that's, you know, am I overpaying for the price of my car? Am I getting a discount? You know, which one would you rather do? And the same with investing. Um, if the market is expect, expensively priced, then the forward return is very predictably going to be low. And there's a lot of statistics on that. If you're invested in bonds and interest rates are really low, your potential return is very, very low. So given the environment, what I advise is that investors increase their allocation to a diverse set of tactical type of strategies, more flexible, can seek more specifically where leadership is moving, and diversify to a couple of those types of strategies So instead of having 60% stocks or 40% bonds, I favor as a standard view, and this isn't for anybody or a specific recommendation, but as a standard uh, guideline, 
perhaps 30% in equities, but hedge it. Find a way to hedge it because the risk is high, and I think we have a crisis coming on the horizon, and the forward potential return is low. And then over-allocate to more flexible strategies. And then when there's another major correction, hopefully you've minimized downside in your portfolio. I think that that's something that's very achievable. And it leaves you in a very favorable position to be able to then shift and then overweight equities again when they're priced attractively. So I think that that's a, a healthy way to begin to look at portfolio allocation uh, for the for the typical investor. Steve, I've heard you talk before about combining multiple risks together. What would you mean by that? So everything that we do in the investment world, and frankly everything we do in life, you know, is a risk, and we must take a risk with our investment portfolios. So if we put our money under a mattress, well, that's a risk. Somebody might come in, the house could catch fire, we lose that money. If we put money in a savings account at a bank, our risk is the bank doesn't do well. If we put it in a variable annuity, the annuity company, you know, uh, if we put it in a corporate bond or a stock or whatever it is, we have a risk. So I think it's important for investors to decide if they are speculators, meaning they want to invest most of their money in a couple targeted bets. And that's not a bad thing, and it could work for some people. I just don't see it work for most. Or are they going to decide to be an investor? And an investor is allocating to a diverse set of a number of risks. And, you know, if you look at a risk of putting money in the equity market or putting money in the bond market, well, the reason you diversify between the two is one's a lot safer than the other. And if the equity market is falling apart, typically the bond market's going through a rally, so it helps cushion your decline. So they're combining two sets of different risks. But if you expand to include, let's say, a tactical strategy that can move and have the flexibility to move to short-term treasury bills or cash, that can invest in different types of things that are leading, like more recently, healthcare and utilities and technology are doing a lot better than uh, a lot of other asset classes, uh, that has this risk management uh, process that can shift to bonds when bonds start outperforming equities. Well, now you've injected a different risk stream into your portfolio, and I hope would combine very well with the other things that you're doing. So if you combine these different set of risks together, I think what you can do is design a portfolio that targets a return that's acceptable to the investor that they're looking to achieve, more aggressive or more conservative, but importantly, can also target how much downside one might be willing to accept. So that's what I mean. Combining these different risks together is really what portfolio creation is about. Okay, Steve, I appreciate that. So, Steve, uh, do you guys manage your own portfolios, or do you use third-party asset managers? We have uh, most of the things that we do, we manage ourselves. We also have found a couple managers that we have a tremendous amount of confidence in in their process and we have a tremendous amount of confidence in their ability to execute. So while the majority of what we do, we do in-house, the others that we've, we've adopted, we run, we manage, we serve as advisor, uh, but they're, they're through a partner strategy. Okay. And uh, so tell us, uh, Steve, in regards to the strategies themselves, what keeps you awake at night? Well, thanks. I, uh, 
I think that there are a number of things. I think when we, we look at the landscape of the world, I try and always view everything through through this lens of risk. Uh, is the risk high? Is the risk low? Uh, the potential reward high or the potential reward low? What worries me the most is that the major central banks of the world have embarked on the greatest economic experiment of all time. Uh, last night at about uh, midnight or 1 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, uh, the Japanese uh, had uh, launched a very, very aggressive forward push in their QE. We've got uh, debt that's unmanageable in Japan. We've got debt that's unmanageable in Europe. Uh, it's slowing the global economies, and we're trying to bail ourselves out by hopping into the basement and cranking up the printing presses. Well, there are consequences to those sorts of things, and at some point, the core of the issue that we have is debt. So we, we are moving towards a deflationary uh, slow period, and, and, and that's a very bad thing uh, for all of us. It leads to depression. It leads to a really a shutdown of economies. That, that keeps me up at night. Well, the global central banks are doing everything that they believe in their power to do is to create inflation by printing all this money. But they're, they're behind and it haven't, hasn't been working. The other worry is, is that they are successful and they really do create inflation. And then we have to pay the piper on the other side of that problem. So uh, this balancing act is, is, um, is, is challenging. And so uh, with an expensive market that's been largely inflated by uh, this new money creation, uh, what worries me is, is what happens when, when, when that, that game stops. Or what don't we know that we think we might know, but what don't we know that could cause another market crash or market event? We are playing with dynamite, and, um, and, and there's risk to those things. Uh, in a mouthful, those are, those are the big things. But as investors, we still have to take risks, and that's why I think it's important to uh, do things to protect uh, and manage uh, in, a, in a risk-mindful way. Well, Steve, I appreciate that response. So, so tell for, for our listeners, uh, Steve, if you could recommend a book uh, on investing, what would that book be? Well, there's, so, so there, there's a couple that I've read recently that, that I really like, and it depends on um, how much of a... My friends call me a quant guru, so I say that uh, as I tickle myself. I really get excited, and I get into the weeds of, of, of uh, technical movements and price and so, those sorts of things. So I'm going to uh, recommend a, kind of a, a book for those that are quant geeks uh, like me. One of it's called, This book is called Smarter Investing in Any Economy, The Definitive Guide to Relative Strength Investing by Michael Carr. Uh, I think the book is outstanding. Steve Forbes just uh, wrote a new book titled Money. Uh, it's basically about the, the dollar, all the things that we've been doing uh, that I had just mentioned previously, and how, uh, how, how, how it threatens the global economy and what we can do about it. And if you follow Steve Forbes at all, he's just a simple, quick, common sense, and it's an easy-to-read book. And then I'll throw one more out at you, if that's okay. Please. Um, there's a fellow, a fellow by the name of, of Adam Smith that wrote a book years ago uh, called the wealth of nations. Like when I mean years ago, I mean years ago. And he's considered to be one of the great economists. And uh, that book is considered, you know, the Bible on on capitalism. So there's another one that that I just read recently that I really enjoyed. Uh, and it's a book about Adam Smith. And it's called an unexpected guide to human nature and happiness. 
So there you go. Yeah, Steve, uh, really, really appreciate that. You had recommended a book uh, in uh, one of your uh, newsletters that I read, Tail Risk Hedging. And uh, it's definitely for those who are more serious about uh, the quant type of investing. But he had some very interesting points there that I, I really appreciated. And uh, your, your book by, by Michael Carr, uh, I have not read that book, but I've read other things by Michael Carr and read some of his, um, uh, some of his studies. And he does some very interesting work on uh, backtesting and studies on the markets. And so I uh, appreciate your insights there very much. So, Steve, tell, give us a, a website, if you would, that uh, people could uh, go to to uh, learn more about CMG. Uh, so our website is cmgwealth.com and if you're open to it at the bottom of the page there's a sign up and I put out a letter every Friday that I call On My Radar and it's really a collection of research and things that, that I've uh, sewed away during the week uh, that I found important and helpful at least to me and uh, it's free uh, and hopefully uh, hopefully helpful. I, I can uh, give a testimonial to that. I, I, I read on my radar. It comes out uh, late Friday afternoon for us and here on the West Coast, and I thoroughly enjoy it, and you always have uh, things uh, worth, worth hearing about and worth considering here. So, Steve, thank you very much for joining us today. Best of luck to you and CMG and to all of us in the world of investing. And we appreciate your insights, and uh, thank you much, very much for joining us on Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me on your show. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.